no, I'm an inverse paranoid. Well, hey, I'll take that description anytime. You know, success is something you attract by the way you think and the person you become. You don't have to change the company, the economy, the government, your boss or your spouse. You get to change you and you'll see your whole world change. Remember, our minds are like gardens. They give us a bigger return of whatever we planted. If you think about negative things, you'll see those enlarge in your life. If you expect and think about positive things, you'll see more and more of those in your reality. That's why I like being an inverse paranoid. I don't think people are out to get me. I don't think bad things are going to happen. I think the reverse. I mean, I expect good things to come my way. I expect the people I meet to be eager to help me. I expect to find that parking spot just where I need it. I expect to feel great when I get up in the morning. Yeah, I even expect to make it to the gas station, even if that fuel gauge has been flashing empty for a while. So we're going to unpack some of that today, how we think, what we expect, questions from listeners like you who are looking for ways to be more fully engaged in life at 55 or 65 and more. And maybe you just lost your job and you can't fathom going back to work for another company. Or maybe you're just bored to death as Monette will share in an audio clip here. Or you're afraid your dreams are buried and it's too late to think about having that life you love. Well, grab your cup of tea, get comfortable, whatever you're doing, get ready for another really interesting set of questions from listeners. And we're going to give you some resources, some things that will help you break through what you may see as barriers there so you can maximize your opportunities. So we're going to jump right in after these messages from our supporting sponsors. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. You know, sometimes it just seems that I get questions that are kind of grouped together that are a common theme. And a lot of times I purposely kind of choose them to be in that way. Well, it just seems that I've got a lot of questions recently from people that feel like they're too old. You know, it's too late. They missed their opportunity. Wow, I want to give you some examples of people who are still around who are doing pretty active things in their 80s and 90s. Um, and why, this isn't just about getting old, but it's about at any stage of life. It doesn't matter if you're 18 years old. I want you to be encouraged by some of the things we're going to unpack here today. But here, here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at. Dan, I'm bored to death. Should I retire now at age 62? And another one, I was laid off a few weeks ago, which was fine because I hated the job, but I can't fathom interviewing for another position or company at age 54. Somebody says, I'm not spiritually or mentally ready to retire, but I don't want to go back to the corporate world. There's another one day and I retired from a job I had grown to despise on my 55th birthday, but now I feel like I may not be doing enough to support my family and reach our goals. All right, so we got kind of a theme set there. We're going to look at that. Is it too late? What can you do now if you feel like you should have gotten started a few years back? Well, our quotation comes from Viktor Frankl. Viktor being, of course, the author of the wonderful little book, Man's Search for Meaning. 
And he says, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Well, I love that. I love that whole thought. We get to choose our own way. What a privilege. Now, our resource today, I want you to check out the coaching options, the way that I work with people. Sometimes I don't talk about that much, but I work with a lot of people. I love helping people have the light bulb come on, see new opportunities that are right around them. You know, I work with a lot of physicians, attorneys, dentists, pastors, engineers, accountants, people who feel trapped by virtue of what they have done academically. You're not trapped. You're not trapped, and it's never too late to have a new beginning. So, hey, check it out. Go to 48days.com slash coaching, and then just click on the link that says Coaching with Dan. And I don't talk about that a lot here, but I'd love to. When we get these these stories in, you know, these flood of stories, I think, oh my gosh, if we could have an hour just to sit down together, I am so 100% confident we'd come up with a plan that you'd walk out of the room three feet off the ground because you're so excited about what you can do. I mean, I just, I believe that about everybody. I don't think anybody is trapped. I don't think anybody is, it's too late. Oh, hey, whatever. Check it out. Go to 48days.com slash coaching. Let me know what you, what you need. We'll have a conversation and get you going. All right. So my inverse paranoia. I want to talk about that just a little bit. You know, I really believe other people are out to help me. Now, my academic background is in clinical psychology. Um, I got my master's in clinical psychology, and then I did my um, doctoral work in religion and society. But anyway, why we think the way we do, and, and sometimes it frustrates me that we tend to look at everybody through a dysfunctional lens. You know, if we're talking about the Enneagram, you know, I've got multiple books on the Enneagram. I've been interested in that. But everybody seems to write that from the perspective of why you're screwed up and explaining it then through the lens of whatever personality style we're, we're talking about. Why? But I've always wondered, you know, why do we focus so exclusively on human pathology and dysfunction? And incidentally, the reason I'm not in clinical psychology anymore, the reason I'm not a therapist is simply that. I don't want to look at everything through the lens of, why are you so screwed up? No, I want to look at the lens, wow, do you realize the possibilities you have? Do you realize the potential you have and the opportunities that are all around you. You know, so what about the positive side? Those moments when human beings are at their absolute best. Now, I know we can give everyone a label, categorizing every action as a dysfunction of some kind. I mean, my wife, Joanne, has been called an enabler. Now, that doesn't sound very good because she enjoys helping people. Well, you can frame that as enabling by helping people when maybe they need to suffer and learn how to tough it out on their own. Well, she's going to continue enabling because it brings her so much joy and a lot of other people as well. I've been accused of being in denial because I choose to focus on the good in my past rather than the bad. And I was raised in a situation where there's a whole lot of things that I could point to that were disadvantages, but I just choose to focus on the fun things, the good things that I learned growing up. Uh, My son was a diagnosed as being ADHD because he found it hard to sit in a traditional classroom. Well, today, man, he's a world changer in terms of the people that he's connected with, the things he's doing. Um, 
speaks, universities, has people check out the models that he's creating for space exploration. But no, he's ADHD, never going to make it in this world. Well, you know, a lot of my friends have been prescribed Prozac to calm their unusual and rapid flow of ideas. But personally, I've decided just to claim this title of inverse paranoid. Now, this is a real term. It's been around and it's been talked about by Brian Tracy and others. Now, as you know, a paranoid thinks everyone is out to get him. I mean, that person is typically suspicious, fearful, panicked that people are trying to do him harm. Well, an inverse paranoid is the other way around. I mean, success is something you attract by the way you think and the person you become. So you can have more than you have now by becoming more than you are now. Again, you know, our minds are like gardens. As I mentioned, they're going to give us a bigger return on whatever we planted. If you think about negative things, you're going to see those enlarge in your life. If you expect and think about positive things, you will see more and more of those in your reality. Now, we recently had dinner with some friends of ours here in our neighborhood. He is a former criminal defense attorney. He helped people who did bad things from having to pay the consequences, frankly. So he's used to very, very confrontational situations. The stories he got make the hair stand up on the back of my neck. But we, we met them at our clubhouse recently for dinner, and I heard him tell Josh, or, or valet, to park his car in a particular spot and then bring him the keys. Don't just hang the keys on the keyboard while he's eating dinner with us. No, to bring him the keys. Now, I know what he's thinking. He's got things in his car that I don't want to know about, but he wants it locked up. He wants it in a well-lit area and secured. Now, we live in a beautiful community, and I laughed. Not to him personally, but I laughed because I overheard the conversation because I had parked my own car, Joanna and I. It was a beautiful night. We just parked it out there somewhere, and we walked up. But I didn't even have the keys in my pocket because I— Turned it off. I did drop the keys in the console because I know they'll be there when I leave. Now, you may think that's not very bright, but I just, it really ties in. And, and trust me, we live in a neighborhood where I could leave the keys in ignition and not be concerned about it. But how could our responses be so different in exactly the same environment? Well, we tend to get what we expect. Now, my friend expects to see trouble around every corner and he's ready to defend himself. I expect to see someone around that corner who's eager to assist me. And we both seem to get what we're expecting. They found it really hard to make friends here and find people to be kind of aloof and standoffish. We find people, Joanna and I do, find people who are extremely warm and gracious and helpful and generous. It's just different. I mean, I, I tend to believe that everyone is out to bring me happiness, to help me bring my, to help me reach my goals. And I try to do the same for them. Now, to have a positive attitude doesn't mean that problems and frustrations are just non-existent, but I'm confident I can find solutions quicker as a result of my inverse paranoia. I believe the world is plotting to do me good. So here's just some tips. If you are in the same mind frame as I am, When obstacles appear, don't assume everyone hates me. Rather, see them as opportunities to grow and succeed in new ways. I mean, without those challenges, you're never going to change and improve. 
Another tip, remember a time in your life when a disaster opened the door to something good. I mean, I've got multiple things I look back and when it happened, I thought, wow, this isn't pleasant. Yeah, this is frustrating. But then in retrospect, I see, oh, that caused me to think in a new way or that led me to a new resource or that opened the door to me meeting somebody that really turned into a great opportunity. Well, another tip, you know, if you lose your job, expect that now you're going to find your dream job with better pay, fewer hours. We got lots of stories about that. I love hearing those stories. You know, if your back hurts at the office, expect to develop a better ergonomic chair design that's going to make you rich. When you get up in the morning, reach for the opportunity clock. Well, Zig Ziglar used to talk about that. Don't see it as an alarm clock. I mean, an alarm sounds like something bad is going to happen. Now, see it as an opportunity clock. That goes off that's going to start your day in a very positive way. And when, you know, something that's always bugged me when the weather forecaster says, hey, there's a 30% chance of rain. Well, I say, awesome. That means there's a 70% chance of sunshine. Yeah, okay. So I, I like my delusion. Uh, I don't need a pill to make me normal. And don't, please don't send me to an institution to correct my thinking. And thankfully, I was able to adjust my attendance at school enough to adapt so that I didn't feel like I had to conform to all the things that were going on there. All right, well, enough of my ranting there. Let me go into some questions here from you, the listeners. Got one here I want to play. Just play the audio. It's short. You'll get the point, and we'll discuss this a little bit. Hi, Dan. This is Manette, and I am 62, soon to be 63, due to retire in two years. But I'm bored to death. Do you suggest I finish out the two years to get my retirement? Um, I'll be vested in two years. And also, I would get Medicaid or Medicare or whatever it is. So I'd have insurance, but I don't know what I should do. I would appreciate your suggestions. All right, I'm going to stop there. Okay, 62 years old, bored out of your mind. Should you retire, Monette? Well, I, I get the fact that you're bored out of your mind. That's significant. But looking for a way to just kind of unplug, to escape that boredom by just retiring, I don't know that that's the only option. I mean, the real question is, how can you find something that you really love doing rather than something where you were bored to death? And if you did, I know exactly what would happen. Your attraction to retirement would diminish dramatically. And to be 62 and thinking about retiring, when we look at the life expectancy at this point, your life could be around a long time. You could easily be around, you know, 62, you could be around half that time again, another 31 years. Another 31 years is what make you 93? That's not unreasonable. Wow. Do you really want to anticipate another 30 years where you're really just retired, just surviving on the, the pension that you get or whatever? Now, if you're, and when you mentioned, you know, 62, could you retire? Would you be able to get Medicare or Medicaid? Well, you don't get Medicare until you're 65. And the only way you get Medicaid is if your income is so low that it's ridiculous. I mean, you have to be at the poverty level. And I actually checked. 
Medi- you live in, in Alabama, Medicaid, when you're not yet 65, means that you don't have income that exceeds $934 a month. So if you get any kind of pension, you're going to be over that. Um, you're not going to get Social Security until you're, you get a whole lot of things that, that would indicate you really need to hang in there, even if it's not perfect, until you're 65. Now, you said you're almost 63, so we're talking two years. Yeah, I would absolutely do that. That's a very, very short time frame when we look at the scope of life. And you don't want to mess things up really dramatically by just escaping a job that you already have. Now, it's not ideal, granted. But if you have a retirement coming, I take that two years and I'd get excited about anticipating the next season of your life. What are you going to do when you turn 65? Yeah, go ahead and retire a job that you're bored at. But What is going to come next? Is it going to be a job that's a much better fit for you? Is it going to be something that you do on your own, like some of the upcoming questions here? But look look for that when you hit 65 as beginning the next season of life, but not the end of productive life. All right, now, other questions that I chose for today are going to tie right in, so I'm just going to roll into those. Adrian says, how do you find your dream again? I was laid off a few weeks ago, which was fine because I hated the job. I can't fathom interviewing for another position or company at 54. Working doesn't bother me. It's working for someone else. I'm feeling a little stuck, but I don't know how to tap into what I want again. All right, so Adrian, I spoke at a church in Memphis one time. My presentation was uh, titled, Hold Fast to Dreams. And there was a guy who waited for a very long time to be the last person in line to talk with me after I did my presentation. I I saw him in the corner of my eye. I knew what he was doing. He was waiting until there was nobody there so he didn't have to just confine his comments to one minute and move on. So he did. He waited. And he says, what if you don't have any dreams? And I'm like, how is that possible? I can't even imagine that being possible. Well, he described he had been working for 17 years as a pharmacist. And it was kind of like the old frog in a kettle. The changes were so slow and subtle, you couldn't even really describe them, but they were there. That's what he described. He slowly lost all his dreams and now just going through the motions at work. Well, you can find those again. You really can. I mean, everyone has dreams. If you, at age 54, feel like you're stuck, you don't know what your dreams are again, wow, you can find those. Think about being a three-year-old. Have you ever talked to a three-year-old who doesn't have dreams? I mean, every five-year-old has dreams about being an astronaut or a fireman or a boat captain or a famous country music singer. What, what do you think Taylor Swift was dreaming about when she was five years old? Well, we don't have to guess at that. We know. We're told she started writing songs when she was five years old. She started dreaming about being on a stage at age 16. So that was 11 years later, she released her debut album. At age 16, she did that. Well, it's been a little more time since then. She just came out last week with a new album. It's titled 1989. It's her new album, debuted at number one, of course, on the charts. It sold 1.4 million copies last week. It's just that week. That was almost 50% of all music album sales in the country. And she was almost, well, she was at 43.8% of all albums sold in the U.S. Can you believe that? 
Wow. And of course, that little last burst of activity there put her firmly in the category of being a billionaire, a bona fide billionaire at age 33 years old. Well, your dream may not be as clear as that, but I'm confident if you went back to when you were five years old and you thought about that, you'd get the seeds of what were those dreams? Because a lot of times people go through life. I mean, I meet lots of people who went through, they went through high school and then they went through college and then life just kind of happened. There were kids, mortgages, student loan debts to repay. And all of a sudden, you know, 35 years have passed and now they, they're here and realized they didn't really pursue their dreams. What they did was just do what was practical, what was realistic, what was responsible. Now's a great opportunity for a lot of you to describe all of a sudden you are 55, you're 62 or whatever, you're 65 and retiring. What a great time to go revisit that again and tap into those things and do those things and go into the most productive, most joyful and most profitable often 20 years of your life. I mean, that's how it works. A lot of times we get stuck just doing what's realistic. And because it's not really fulfilling, we don't have our real heart and passion in it. So we're just getting by. You know, it's a whole lot easier to make money when you're really excited about something than it is when you're just doing what's responsible. So Adrian, yeah, I think you can go back to find those dreams. You can build new dreams. What would you like your life to look like three years from now? Imagine the perfect day. Where would you be living? How would you start your day? I mean, what would you have for breakfast? How would you spend your time that morning? Ask yourself those questions. Have fun with that. Tap into those dreams. Build some new dreams. Well, hey, music, just an interlude here to remind you these are real-life questions. Love getting your questions. I feel honored getting those in every week after week. Questions you all sent in where we can talk about them here, discuss them, and hopefully learn new ways to move forward effectively together. Just go to 48days.com slash askdan. You can leave your question there. Again, 48days.com slash askdan. You can also leave a success story there. I love getting those as well, a resource that maybe other listeners would enjoy as well. So check it out, 48days.com slash askdan. So I've got some other questions that are very much like these here that I want to share with you. Going to be back right after these messages from our sponsors. We'll be back with those other stories. So here's one. Dan, I'm recently unemployed and don't know what to do next. I'm not spiritually or mentally ready to retire, but I don't want to go back to the corporate world. So I'm taking some time to think think things through. Well, fantastic. Take a little time. But if you know you're not spiritually or mentally ready to retire, and incidentally, I think that's, I'm not going to be spiritually or mentally ready to retire on the day I die. Now, that's just me, but I, there are so many things. I mean, if I were not doing the things that I'm doing, if I were not writing, coaching, speaking in this career space, I wouldn't just retire. If all the opportunities in this space that I'm in went away, Nobody's ever going to buy a book, a course again, or one coaching. That's okay. I have a list longer than my arm of things that I'd love doing, that I'd love exploring. I'd love to have a little car lot somewhere with about 20 cars, you know, old classic cars that are really in pristine condition and then help those, help people who really enjoy those, you know, take them home and park it in the garage. We'd get together on weekends and drive around. I mean, 
that's just what I mean. I could have a landscaping company. I love going out and just looking at, I mean, I do a lot of landscaping at our house currently because even though the art guys are happy to do it, no, I want to do it. I want to trim those bushes just right to my eye. I want to choose plants to have color combinations that I want. Anyway, I have never had a lack of ideas for things that I could do. So I encourage you in this period of time, this window of opportunity that you have, absolutely. Think about some things that you'd like to do. What's next? And you say you don't want to go back to the corporate world. Fantastic. We've got a resource. It's 48 lower no-cost business ideas. I love this and the, the responses that we get from people. There's so many things in there. Now, you know, it's, it's in our, it's, you have to go to our shopping cart, I guess, on our site, 48 Days. I'll put the link directly to this, but it's 48 lower no-cost business ideas that you can just get digitally. You can get 17 bucks. You can get it immediately. See the ideas there. And there's a whole lot of things in there. Things like uh, my, my dad drove for the Amish in the last, um, well, in the last 10 years of his life where they don't drive, but they still want to go to funerals and weddings and go shopping, go to the hospital with doctor's visits and so on. So he would drive them. He'd get a dollar a mile, and it didn't matter if there was one person or 10 people in the van that he had, but a dollar a mile. And a lot of times, you know, he'd get up early in the morning. He loved doing it. It wasn't strenuous. He loved the interaction with the people. And if he put in 500 miles, it's $500. I mean, this was years ago, and it's pretty decent. But I talk about ideas like that in this in this book, 48 Lower No-Cost Business Ideas, a caricature artist, you may have the skills to just do the little caricature portraits. Well, Tracy Lantham is a friend of ours from Nashville. We learned to, go, to know him because he showed up as an artist at one of the events that we had, and uh, just a great guy. Well, he charges $150 an hour with a four-hour minimum. So if he shows up at a birthday party or a corporate event or whatever, it's $600 minimum just to show up. He loves what he does. He does. He thinks he's just playing like a little kid. Well, you've heard me talk about Jim Hodges. He reads books, brings the old history stories to life. Um, he also narrates other people's books. He just has a great voice. And so he's been doing that for a long time. I talk about kettle corn. You know, wow, what an idea just to show up at a weekend fun event, kettle corn. You know, you can have a whole lot of other booths with a whole, not many people standing around, but kettle corn, the smell draws people in. There's usually 50 people in line standing to get it, no matter where you're going. You know, I talk about uh, being a, a piano tuner. Uh, what I'm doing is I got a whole lot of ideas in there and I'll tell you how this came about. I was on doing a radio interview and I was, um, they were pre-recording a couple shows because the host, it was Moody Radio out of Chicago and the host, Anita Lustria and uh, Melinda Schmidt were going to be on vacation a couple weeks and I'd been on many times. So I was an easy guest. So we were pre-recording a couple shows and Melinda said, we have a lot of women in our audience who would really like to be primary caregivers for their children, but they still want to create income. Is that possible? And I said, oh my goodness, yes, it is. I said, I'll tell you what, if you go to 48 Days and look for the yellow post-it note that says 48 low or no cost business ideas, you'll see a whole list of ideas there that they can do where they can still be primarily a mom, but have income that they're creating anyway. Well, when we finished the interview, I asked Melinda, I said, hey, when is this going to air? Because I didn't really have a list like that put together at all. 
she told me it was actually just a few days out. I said, okay. And about an hour before that radio show went live, there on our site was that yellow post-it note with 48 lower no-cost business ideas, things you could do even if you wanted to be primarily providing for your family, whether it's a mom or a dad, but yet create an income. Well, that little list that I put out there as a PDF originally was downloaded over 90,000 times in three weeks. 90,000 times in three weeks. And I thought, ooh, that's a hot hot spot. So I pulled it back in, cleaned it up because I had all kinds of mistakes and I had done it so quickly. But now we've got it in a really beautiful format and you can access that. But in there, I've got all these ideas. And one of those is being a piano tuner. And I know I've had at least three or four people who have actually done that and let me know that they did that since that little book came out. But do you know the cost for tuning a piano? It's between $140 and $300. Now think about that. Who do you know that's a piano tuner? Well, I don't know any. Well, I do know one guy. I know one guy. And of course, a couple of the people that have responded, listeners who actually did that. But it's not like you go to a party and there's 100 people there and you find somebody that's a piano tuner. It's fairly rare. You know how many pianos there are in the United States? Estimates are that there are 20 million pianos in the United States. And there are factors like temperature, humidity, age, or moving. That means they need a tune-up like once a year. What an opportunity. If you get, let's take the low end of the range. Let's say you get $150 for tuning a piano and you do three of those a day, you know, take an hour to do it or whatever. Do three of those a day, $450. I mean, there's so many ideas like that where if you don't want to go back to the corporate world, come up with an idea, a fun idea, something you'd enjoy doing. Maybe you're a musician yourself. You enjoy playing the piano. Wow, what a great fit to be able to do that. Now, there's lots of ideas in there. Again, I'll put the link to that, but it's the 48 and low or no cost business ideas download. I'd love to have you get that and just stimulate your thinking. You don't have to have any or find an exact idea in there that you want to do, but it'll stimulate your thinking for things that you could do, things that would fit you. Now, here's an example I read about just this morning. Kansas woman turns your feet into an inspiring billboard for positive affirmations. Now, what this lady's doing, her name is Laura Schmidt. She has a unique sock company. It's called Notes to Self Socks because on the socks are written things like, I am happy, I love my life, I am smart, I'm beautiful, I'm confident. Now, what, the, and the way this idea came to her, you know, which is, I love these ideas. It's not sophisticated technology. It's not something so revolutionary. It's just a little twist on something that's right in front of us. She remembers back a few years ago, her feet were propped up on a car dashboard as they were traveling and it dawned on her what an incredible billboard that would be to promote positive thinking, or it could be promoted to both the people on the outside and the inside. And she said she's used positive affirmations her whole life to help her with confidence. So now she has these things, again, written on the socks. I'm confident. I'm awesome. I'm beautiful. I'm smart. I'm a great mom. Or I'm crushing it. You know, those kind of things in our socks. You know, last week I went to a, a dinner in New York City. It was It's one of the influencer dinners. You can 
Google and check that out. Really cool thing and a great opportunity to go there. And it was uh, at uh, a guy's, there were only 10 of us, and it was at a guy's, his Manhattan apartment. And he let us know in advance that it was a no-shoes apartment. So you come in and take your your shoes off. And I'm thinking now, wow, if I'd only had a pair of these socks on, that would have been a really added twist to that. If I had socks that said something, but I didn't. Well, anyway, another idea that I promoted recently. Now, I am a Tommy John fan. Tommy John is men's underwear, so I won't go into any more detail there. But they have a really unique design that has changed dramatically the way that men's underwear has been made for hundreds of years. They changed that. Nothing sophisticated, just a little design change. This year, they're expecting to exceed $100 million in sales. Oh, anyway. All right. So there's so many ideas out there right in front of us that if we just take action on them, there's got to be something that fits you. Brian Tracy says all of us have three to four ideas a year that would make us millionaires if we acted on them. But usually, you know how it goes. Ah, gee, I don't have time. You know, ah, you know, somebody's probably already done that. Gee, I'm not sure how I would get a patent or a trademark. Well, and we just dismiss it where with a little bit of work, it may launch you through to your great idea. All right, a couple more questions here from listeners. Dan, I retired from a job I had grown to despise on my 55th birthday. I was able to retire. I was able to activate my early retirements from that job as well as two other retirements from a previous employer. This, along with my wife's full-time income, is more than enough to sustain us. With this said, I feel lost and like I'm not living up to my potential. It's nice not to have the stress I had for so many years working in law enforcement, but I still feel like I may not be doing enough to support my family and reach our goals. All right, so there's a couple of phrases in here that, that really kind of bother me where you say this along with my wife's full-time income is more than enough to sustain us. Who wants to live by just barely being sustained? I mean, whether you're 25, 35, 55, or 85, who, I don't want to do that. And then when you say as well with that, you know, this makes me cringe a little more. I still feel like I may not be doing enough to support my family and reach our goals. If you're feeling that, then take action on that. I mean, at age 55, I mean, how long do you expect to be around? Now, personally, I like to look at my life by planning 25 years out. That's 100 quarters. So that gives me, you know, 90 days, 100 times. That's 25 years. That's how I think. I mean, I have a clear plan for action steps for the next three years but I really have long-term goals that extend 25 years out. As an example, I'm right now working on the 25th anniversary edition of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Now that came out in 2000. So it's now been 23 years. I've updated it every five years. That was my plan back then. So back then I was planning to do it every five years. Now there are things out there like What Calls Your Parachute by Richard Bowles. He updates it every year. And it really is a... You know, that's a pretty rapid turn. I decided to do an update every five years. So it's still, it'll come out again in hardback, which is a testimony to the staying power of the book, the popularity of the book. Of course, it did become a New York Times bestseller and continues to sell extremely well. But I update it every five years. 
I didn't just think that up. You know, I was talking when I made a plan for that when it came out in 2020. So here we are, I mean, in 2000, rather in 2000. So here we are now. It's going to be coming out with the 25th anniversary edition. And I need to have the manuscript finished by July 15th of 2024 in order for then the book buyers to have physical copies they can take to the bookstores and get advance orders. So it has a, a solid release in January of 2025. But those things don't happen if you're just planning, you know, for next month. Now, you know, and as your success increases, you'll find that you think in longer time frames. I mean, if somebody's making 25 bucks an hour, they think week to week. Gee, they get paid on Friday, the money's all gone on Monday, they start over again. But if somebody's income increases to $100,000, let's say, they start to think year to year. Next year, we're going to take the kids, the grandkids or whatever to Disney World. Next year, we're going to go on a cruise. Next year, we're going to invest in a Roth, you know, Roth investment account, whatever you start thinking. But then you talk to people who are making $300,000 a year or $500,000 a year. And it's amazing to hear them talk about, gee, what they're going to be doing 10 years from now, 15 years from now at the dinner that I was just at in New York, there was a young guy, 45 years old and his family, they're billionaires. So he has no concerns about money. It'd be ludicrous for him to try to make more money, but he, he wants to make a difference in the world. He has an organization where he brings in celebrities and people and they're doing some phenomenal things around the world. And the title of the, the name of the business is really a Hebrew term that means repair the world. I love what this young guy is doing, how he has a vision for what he can do, but he's certainly not just going to sit back, take it easy because um, he's got enough money. That should never be the criteria by which you decide when you're going to become inactive. All right, so if you were, you're in this question, at 55, 25 years out, that would be age 80. Well, is there anybody out there who's still active at age 80? Yeah, remember Betty White? Now, she died a couple of years ago at the age of 99. You know what she said her secret was? She attributed her long life and great health to her optimism. Whoa, does that sound familiar? We've been talking about that, her optimism. Jack Nicholson is 86 years old, still cranking out movies. What a guy, golly. Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger's 80 years old. Have you seen him recently? I mean, check it out. I mean, it's everywhere. They just released in the Rolling Stones, just released a new song in September titled Angry. The video is really cool. goes from, it's like billboards that are alive. But anyway, He's 80 years old. He's released new songs. You think he needs the money? Um, might not be a concern. He loves what he's doing. What an interesting concept. Paul McCartney is 81. Just released Now and Then. I mean, how phenomenal is that? Now and Then, this new, brand new song with all four Beatles, even recognizing the two of them have been dead for many years. He leaned into the new technology, some old audio clips, and they've got all four Beatles together singing a new song now and then, and he's 81 years old. I mean, watch him in his performance. Does it look like he's just doing his job? No, he's doing what he does because he loves what he's doing. I mean, Warren Buffett is now 93. Warren has a net worth of now $120 billion. Now, you, you can't even get your head around that. I mean, he could buy 
any business, you know, any sports team, I mean, any commercial complex. I mean, it's just hard to even put a reality to behind that much wealth, $120 billion. He's 93. Guess what his normal day looks like? He gets up at 6.45 a.m. He reads the news. He goes right to the office every day. You know, it's funny. He's, well, he's got some really interesting patterns. He's not like so scheduled and he never has been. He's never been one of those where he's got everything on his, you know, schedule minute by minute by minute. He's always had a lot of free time because you know what he does primarily? He thinks and reads. That's what he does. That's the thing he spends the most time doing. He spends a couple hours a day kind of looking at the markets and making decisions perhaps, but he's not overrun with that. He has a lot of free time, says so. He also doesn't, doesn't eat well. It kind of intrigues me. He, uh, rather than having his exact health regimen, you know, with smoothies and infusions and all that, nor mountains of broccoli, nah, he, he goes to McDonald's. He, he used to go, still uses coupons at McDonald's. Hard to believe. He goes to Dairy Queen, drinks Coke. In his spare time, he reads, plays bridge, keep his mind sharp, and he strums the ukulele. Well, anyway, the, the, the push to retire early simply means those people have not yet found the work they love. So if you're listening, and if you're 45 and you're hoping for retirement, I'll guarantee you, you are not doing work you love. If you're 55 or 65 and just singing the hallelujah because now you can stop working, I know you are not doing work you love. When people love the work they do, retirement diminishes in appeal. They just continue doing the work they love. I mean, long after being concerned about just providing a sustainable income. You know, I, I've told Joanne, I said, my my goal is to write a chapter of my next book in the morning and go to my funeral that afternoon. I mean, I hope they're that closely connected because I don't intend to have any gap between doing meaningful work and not being around anymore at all. Whenever that happens, that's fine. But I, I'm not looking for a time where I don't have to do anything. I, I that just I can't get my mind around that. Maybe you're different, but I, I just enjoy doing so many things and I want to continue doing those. That's why life is meaningful. That's why life is full. So the key to your dreams, and to kind of recap some of the things we've talked about here, the key to your dreams, to feeling like you are contributing to your family goals, to relieving boredom, to that sense that you're not finished yet, to that desire to not work for a company ever again. The key to all those is to find the work you love. That's what I want you to do. Well, you know what, we're going to just wrap it up here. I want you to check out that, go to 48days.com slash coaching. I'd love to have the opportunity to sit down with you and talk with you about what it is you're going to do in this next season of life. If you're a CEO and they just gave you a retirement package, you're 68 years old, they give you a nice retirement package, but you're scratching your head, you're used to being productive, you want to know what that next season looks like, hey, check it out. Go to 40days.com slash coaching. Go to coaching with Dan there. You'll see ways you can provide a little bit of information. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Hey, remember our quotation for today came from Victor Franco who said, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. 
Boy, what a privilege to have that. Hey, keep sending those questions in. We'd love to include yours in next week or an upcoming episode that we've got. So send those in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being open to growing. Thanks for being somebody who is making the world a better place. I love talking to people who just have a big vision for how to leave the the world better than what they found it. So share this episode with three of your friends who are also committed to personal growth. They'll thank you for it. They'll see you as somebody who's enriched their life just because of you've done that. You've provided some hope and encouragement to them. And then stay committed to your belief that we can, you can, uh, you know, we all can, without a shadow of a doubt, find or create work and a life that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. See you next week.